Hello and welcome to another episode of the wrap up, where I am busy. I'm I'm joined by Aiden Moss. I'm Orange. Yeah, not visited. No, no. I I was gonna say busy because I was trying to get a tweet up as the live went live, but I can't multitask like that. I should have known that. Anyways, I'm joined by Aiden Moss after the Raptors suffer another just heartbreaking 104-101 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers bringing them to 13 and 18 on the season. Um, I don't have their road record in front of me, but it's terrible. I don't have their back-to-back record on the second night of back-to-backs on me, but it's terrible. Um, And all of those facts that I just gave you are very similar to the season in Tampa. So I'm wondering, Aiden, does this feel at all to you like that season? Because I'm starting to get those vibes, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready. I think uh, it's no. Uh, okay. We're you know like I think the majority of these players that are, are at a point in their career that 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 was not Tampa. You know, like Tampa had guys that were on the rise and um, and then guys kind of on the backside of their careers. Whereas this is like we're at the height. I mean, we saw tonight. <laughs> what Pascal can do in all of his powers. And we saw what OG can do, even though he's like returning from a hiatus and he's injured, blah, blah, blah. Um, he still played phenomenal defensively and had a couple of big shots. And I think there's still room for him to be like, even the season to be of greater impact. So no, I'm not ready to, A, I'm not ready to pack it in and B, I'm not ready to call this season a failure. That being said, it's starting to get dangerously close to that point. Yeah. To be clear, I'm not there either. Like, because I think the biggest difference between those seasons is that these guys are all two years older now, like, and, and their contracts are not in the same position that they were like a lot more secure back then where you could say, okay, we'll take a year off and whatever. Like, I just mean the vibes and the way they are losing these close games. Like I remember in that Tampa year, it was it was in uh, Portland. They had like a heartbreaker at the buzzer and a couple others at this exact kind of point, a quarter way through the season uh, or a third through the season where it was just like, man, this team can't buy a win no matter how hard they play and, and how well they execute the schemes. And the vibes are just really bad. So there are some similarities there, but these teams are obviously not the same, but anyways, let's talk about this game. Uh, again, one Oh four, one Oh one lost the Philadelphia 76ers who are missing. Um, they were missing their young, their young gun. You know, bad with names. Yeah. Tyrese, Tyrese Maxey. Maxey. But the Raptors were, I guess they were missing Trent and that's it. Right. Well, other than precious and auto. Yeah. Oh, right. Forgot about those two. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Okay. So, Three guys who are good rotation players for sure, but I don't think those three should make it, or break your season. It's not an excuse. It's definitely not. I mean, the like the Warriors didn't have Wiggins and Curry. They didn't. Philly yeah. didn't have Tyrese. Um, who else have we lost to? We didn't have guys. But that we have to remember that when we're saying blow it up and stuff like that is that like we don't have our core rotation player players, and we talked about before the schematics of our defense, the way we play, like. We need, we have, like, the one thing we were missing from last year was depth, and 
that was something we could leverage this year and we haven't been able to do that. So that is something to keep in mind with all of this drudgery. For sure. So in this one, um, the stats look kind of similar, how we're used to seeing these games end up. Raptors shoot 27% from three, especially late, just can't buy a bucket. Fred with some really good looks and no luck there. They out-rebounded the Sixers on the offensive end, 9-4. to four. Got some second-chance points that way. Um, turnovers are equal. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pascal obviously put in a superstar performance, and we'll talk about him in more detail. But what what do you think went wrong for the Raptors? Is it just a matter of having such a small... Oh my god, he played 48 minutes. Is yeah, it just a matter of... Uh, yeah. Just have, a matter of having such a small... Um, margin for error on this team or or was there something that they didn't really do right today in your eyes? I mean, these games are really finally our defense picked up, particularly in the second half. Um, I'm trying to figure out what the points were. In our, uh, third quarter, third quarter, we held them to our third and fourth. We held them to 42 points, 21 per quarter. It was really only the second quarter. We really let up, but our defense was really like back. This tonight, what a surprise! OG um, comes back and like you see yeah. him like playing possessions against Harden and then playing possessions against Embiid. Like it's just immaculate. Um, where did things go wrong? That was the question. Well, so the, that that second quarter really hurt us. Our bench really kind of hurt us tonight. Um, but really, it comes down as it always has come down to is shooting. You know, like we just what what were we? We were eleven for forty. Um, and someone mentioned this in the chat, but like, can we just ever get a game where everybody's like playing well at the same time? It's actually crazy. Like it's, you know, Pascal's had three down games. He finally comes back with a vengeance and Scotty gets a little shy and, um, and Freddie goes completely cold. It's, it's just like crazy, you know? And then the other games, Freddie's hot. Scotty kind of gets a little bit going and Pascal's faded away or Gary gets injured. So a lot of this just comes down to timing. Like we can't seem to get all of our ducks in a row at the exact same time. And is that systemic or not? I, I don't really have the answer for you. Although I will say that um, I think that Pascal, we talked about this in the chat. Like I think Pascal's usage usage should be up. It's at 29.1 or it was last week when I wrote about it. And of the 11 guys in the NBA who average more than 24 points, more than five assists, and shoot better than 45%, he's only less than – the only guy less than him is, is Jokic, which is just – it's different there. And so, like, I think the mistake has been in these last games not going to Pascal over and over and over again, and we didn't get and, – and I think tonight they started to do that. But then when the game was on the line, they go away from it. There's multiple possessions in the fourth quarter. There's multiple possessions in overtime where he's not touching the ball. It's like, what the hell are we doing? And that's when I am mad at Freddie. Like, we can talk about Freddie if we want, but the I he is his IQ as a play as a floor manager is very poor. Has been poor this season, and particularly in these last couple games, and it's very frustrating. Yeah, you you touched on a lot of things. I'll kind of work backwards. I think on Fred. I, I did say to myself in this game, like, okay, he doesn't have it. Let's see how much shots he takes down the stretch here because it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of games where Fred 
just doesn't take a shot in clutch time. And of course, there's going to be some times when the ball just finds you and you have to take that open three. And there were, but there was also a couple of times he launched it up that he probably didn't have to. So I get that. Uh, yeah. And, and just like, look, whether you like it or not, Fred is kind of playing himself out of some money this season, just in the sense of like, we've really learned that when his three ball isn't going down, because there really hasn't been such a, a long stretch in his career if his three ball not not being good. And when his three ball doesn't go down, I just think he's so much less useful as a player, especially the more they're putting the ball in. Kind of as Siakam has clearly overtaken him as an alpha option, there's just not as much usage for him being out there um, when the three ball is not going down. Yeah, but and it's like, taken it. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go. I I think like, and I wrote about this as well. Like, sticky hands, Freddie. Like, they the the team is slower with Freddie on the floor, and like the you can just see it. Like, there's much less flow in the game with Freddie out there, and if he's not shooting, it's just very detrimental, and it's taking away from the Scotty possessions or the OG. Like, OG is the only guy that like rip and goes immediately, right? Like, there's no hesitation. He for better or for worse, he's going at the rim constantly. And, you know, that does more for our half-court sets than it does Freddie, like, bumming around at the on the perimeter doing dribble combos. So um, I, I do think there's, like, a fundamental problem, and we saw it a bit tonight, with the, the construct of this offense based on its current roster. Yeah, this is a pretty wild tweet. Uh, for our podcast listeners from Kevin Pelton saying the Raptors led the Sixers 96-89 with 4.15 left in regulation and they only scored 5 points over the next 9 minutes and 15 seconds including overtime. So that's what I wanted to hit on is the offense and and you said because I was going to ask you but you already said like I don't know if the issue is systemic and that's what I've been thinking about and and like Yes, it is injury related that not everyone has been able to get on the same rhythm uh, at the same time. As, as you kind of noted, it was Fred and Scotty recently before this game for a stretch. And then Pascal gets into it and those guys kind of fall apart. It feels increasingly systemic to me, mm -hmm. you know, like just in the sense that look, these years, the the like for the front office are about kind of gathering data and figuring out what works and what doesn't. And like. To me, this season, more than anything, has proved that, I mean, defensively, they need a center. But more than anything, in terms of the Vision 6-9 stuff, like, offensively, this group just doesn't seem to have the right mix in terms of spot-up guys, on-ball guys, off-ball guys, guys who are willing to sacrifice, guys who need the ball a lot. Because at a, at a certain point, it's been now several seasons of this group, and like you talked about, like the offense is never everyone going at the same time. That is the hallmark of a good offense, or it's one of them. It's where everyone has a role and everyone is excelling in that role. We have two years now of a sample size of that really not being the case for the Raptors. So I kind of think it is fair to say it's systemic. It feels like it. I, I think, you know, either it's systemic or or the voices in the uh, from the bench aren't like, I don't know. Like, have they given too much liberty to this team? It, maybe that's what it is too, right? Like, they're just 
letting these guys going out and 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 telling Freddie and Pascal this is your team and you can go operate as you will. But there's so many possessions. There's so many possessions where you see the contrast. Like you'll see the possessions where Scotty is very purposeful and and like aggressive and uh, an incredible passer. He had an early one tonight, I think, where it was like right off the bounce, one-handed. Like he had, or like the post-ups, even on Embiid. Like he has so many moments where you're like, "How simple is this?" And then, and then he disappears. Or you'll have possessions where there's double, like Alvin was saying, double penetration, a ball reversal, bingo, three in the corner. And of course, if it doesn't go in, the possessions for not. But you you see these possessions where it's just it's perfect basketball. And that is seems to be seldom with this team. But when you see it, it's like, why aren't we doing this more? You would think with a 6'9 team, it's all about ball movement and cutting because we're faster, we're more athletic, we can finish at the rim. Like we see Wancho and Thad doing that all the time. And it's the opposite. And I, you know, I like that to me is the systemic part is that the principles that they're relying on, and we can get into the defense because I feel that way a little bit on the defense. Um aren't aren't um attesting to or like you're saying aren't like feeding into the skill sets of this team yeah uh shout out to top shot tesla for the tip um grinding I away hope, i hope his tesla stock is to getting, isn't hurting because of musk's twitter Oof, misery it's down 50 percent. i was told at a family gathering Oof. i said let's change the topic anyways um <laughs> quickly on alvin I thought he was great tonight and I loved his anecdote about talking about Scotty and how he has to stay calm when a foul is called on him that he doesn't like, like when he got that T and then giving the anecdote of, uh, of, uh, Iverson, like slapping him on the head five times a game. (laughs) That was, that was good stuff. He's a rare elite athlete where he's so self-deprecating. Like they're kind of cute. Like Vince Carter or Steve Smith will be like that, but that's like, in the twilight of their careers, they'll talk about it. But Alvin was just like, I was never good. Like, you know, it's pretty funny. I yeah. do like that about him. Uh, me too. Um, with like the offensive system, you mentioned something about it. And I, I see a lot of people saying the same thing. And I'm, I'm there too. Like the free flowing stuff isn't working this season. There's way like, first of all, teams have figured out that a zone just stifles them. And there's just way too much isolation, especially in the last few minutes of a game. Um, and yeah, like today was a bad example. Again, that tweet of 9.15 minutes and they scored like nine points. Like that's unacceptable. You're not going to win that way. And yeah, like you, they tried to run through Pascal and sometimes he just had to pass the ball up because there was so much attention he received and the raptors just don't have the shooters like to make them pay but what was i gonna say about um oh yeah i was gonna say like it's true that nick nurse and his staff have to implement more of an offensive system for this team but at the same time it's like with what time you know like at this point in the season that's just not realistic they have enough defensive issues that they're working on i think in practice that there's just no time to implement a system of offense th- at this point in the year. You kind of have to live with this ISO ball um, for now. And and like the, the blueprint for the team is to be amazing defensively. And yeah, that, that just hasn't yeah. happened. Either. I think that's the, that's kind of the problem 
the offense becomes more glaringly bad when the defense suffers. You know, like we can't just grind yeah. out isolation sets when we're down 12 early in the second quarter. You know, but like to that, need... yeah, sorry to, to that point, like the Raptors started the season really well they did. and they had the exact same offense. The only real difference, I think, was that like Siakam was doing this every night it, and they were hitting like... their shots, though. True, they were, but it just felt like so many of their issues were masked by Siakam being like this top five player the first 10 games of the season. And as soon as he went away, and even when he got back and wasn't exactly the same guy, I think all these issues have come to the forefront. And But it's been the same offense the whole time. But they but they were winning, and I th- and, and guys like Scotty and, and well, Freddie was kind of up and down, but Scotty hadn't really like come to play yet you know like i think um yeah. Do you yeah. think there's just too many guys who who need the ball I, well i was gonna say is like one way you you fix a system quickly is you force the hand of the coach by you know removing somebody who inhibits that and like i don't want to talk about trading right now but i think that that would be one way you do it and i you know we if we keep coming to the conclusion which is that like, is this roster like properly constructed? It's possible that it has self-evolved beyond the vision of what management and nurse had for this team, right? Like it's possible that they like, like the way the players have grown, the way, uh, the way, but yeah, the way the team has come together, that it's actually like outlived itself. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's certainly a question they're going to have to reflect on. In terms of what, though, just to be clear, like what, it, like what has outlived itself in terms of well, the? I think the like the the Freddie Pascal shared responsibility. Like you have, you now have OG scratching at the ceiling. You have Scotty like jumping out of frustration at the ceiling. Um, you have Gary who's like starting to come into his own, uh, like. Mm-hmm. And then you have Pascal, who is this heliocentric like power. It's possible that the offense needs to be redesigned with him at the focal point, um, or with these other guys in mind. And like I don't, I don't really have the answer specifically, but I think whatever they had in mind at the beginning of the season um, might just have been wrong. You know, like I think they thought they were going to get Freddie from last year. And that's just not been the case. And I don't know if they knew they were going to get Pascal that we're getting. So yeah. you know, you know, and and similar with similarly with OG, I think he's like played better than they probably thought he was going to play. That's true in the sense of like you don't need a whole lot of practice time to funnel more shots to Siakam's way, or funnel more of the ball OG's way and run a few more plays each game they- for them and less for Fred. Like that's true, and I think that's a good point. I wrote about that on the, it was one of the clips I put in on Friday. It's like, it's a simple out of the half where they like, they like um, on the strong ball, they back screen Pascal. He gets a switch on the Fox and it's like a easy hoop six seconds into the shot clock. It's like, why can't we be running those kinds of plays all the time? Like I understand there's, you know, you know, you can't for a number of reasons, but they don't seem to go to the strengths where they can leverage things, you know? And that's what's frustrating. And I and that's kind of the outgrowth part I'm talking about. It's like we keep going to Freddie, but he's not where we have the arbitrage, you know, in this lineup anymore. 
Yeah, that's true. And and I do agree that it just feels like maybe the roster construction is untenable. I've always thought that Gary would be the guy Same. at the trade deadline because he is another guy when he's healthy that demands the ball. And he is a good spot-up shooter, but that's not like if all you want is a spot-up shooter, then you might as well trade Gary for a 3 and D guy. Like, that made sense to me. Um, and Gary's I was always... Also- Gary's also fit the role of bench player, which like I think he, he's nicely slotted. I, we could talk about salaries and future signing and stuff like that, but specifically right now, he makes sense where he is. He makes some sense for sure. And I've always been like, Freddie is just going to figure out. Like, I think like it's too early to make any declaratives on the season or whatever. But one thing I think is fair to say is like, Fred is not kyle in that he can just like the the system will change because they have an injury or because the year is different and someone's going and and they need to play a different role and like kyle could always just snap into whatever role that was needed of him right like the championship season he was just more of a playmaker because they had all these guys and like that's obviously a really special skill that maybe we took for granted with kyle but fred I don't think he has that. I think Fred has talked about this. For him to be at his best, he he wants to be aggressive. Like he said that exact quote. Um, so there is a bit of a yin and yang there, where it's like you can't. It, it's the same with Barnes to an extent, honestly. Like you can't ask these guys to be good, but then take away what makes them so good. Which but, kind of is that aggressive mentality, and and like in Barnes's case, some of those passes that are wild, like. It's hard to limit players who inherently kind of play this style that just is aggressive and and they're going to put up shots. It's not about asking them to be less aggressive. It's asking them to be more selective. And I think, and like that is those two things are kind of like adversarial. It it is when you have, when you're a superstar, like people in the chat are complaining about the last two possessions in overtime, the second last possession, offensive possessions, the second last possession, the problem was that they didn't get Pascal the ball until five seconds left. Like they run this play. I don't know what the hell they were trying to do. And Pascal gets it three feet behind the arc with six seconds ticking. Like that's just a bad play. And then the last one, you live it, you live with it. Like when you have chosen to have a top 12 player, you let him be aggressive in the right, right and wrong moments. And hopefully over time that evolves to the best decision. Or they just hit the shots because they're that good. Everybody else has to pick and choose their moments. And when Freddie's on a heater like he was against uh, Sacramento and Sacramento, I think, and Golden State to some degree, like you ride him out. And that's the beauty of having multiple options is some nights you don't need your superstar to be the superstar. But when you start shooting whatever he was, two for nine in the first half or whatever it is, that's when you got to change your game. You got to go to the rim more. You got to stop hoisting. You got to give the ball to other people and be a off ball guy where he's equally a threat. Fred, Freddie's existence on the weak side, wide open for three, is a threat. Like, yeah, you know, we don't need him dribbling the ball all the time. Yeah, but I'm kind of torn because at the end of that game, they did go away from Fred. He just happened to kind of be found spotting True. up and, and that's stuff fine. like that. We'll live and die with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, 
I don't know honestly what the answer is because sometimes I'm like, should he not close games? But I also get what he does defensively and I get what he does with his gravity. Well, but there have been times it? this season where I'm like, there is one too many guy on the floor who wants to kind of make plays rather than just be a peripheral option around Pascal, right? Can we talk so, about what Freddie does defensively? Look, we can talk about it and you can say what you want, but I'll say like, yes, he's getting blown by way too much and all that, but he's still so smart and works so hard that I don't think he's like a negative defender by any means this season. I think disagree. Well, I just think that to me, Freddie's offense has almost been secondary to what he brings on the defensive end. Like, the the stripping the ball, the like doubling bigs and causing havoc and like making ball handlers work and then dribble off their foot out of bounds. Like we're not seeing that Fred. We definitely didn't see it tonight. Like Harden was just going by him and and Freddie, it's almost like Freddie's letting them go by and then being prepared to sprint in recovery and do the best he can by going to the weak side on a rotation or whatever. Like I'm not saying he's a bad defender. I'm saying there's something wrong. I think there's something wrong with Freddie. Like, he's not moving like he used to. He used to be a jockey defender who would just make guys work, and he hasn't He hasn't shown that of late. And I think that's a big reason why we're giving up, other than tonight, like huge scores on the defensive end. Um, yeah. And so if he's not doing that, then he his value is, like, to me, way lower. Yeah. Um. I, I think I just don't know. I don't think there's any guys like tonight off the bench who would have been better. Although maybe because Harden was targeting Fred down the stretch, but um, he's still the- really good. I'll say as an off ball guy, like Fred, when he's like the yes. one on the weak side and has to pick between two, like he, he makes the right decision and he kind of sprints out and makes whoever gets the shot, take a contested shot and, and, I think he's a big part of their communication defensively where he's just kind of getting guys in the right spot. So that stuff's all valuable. But yeah, when he's shooting the ball this poorly and offensively, he's just kind of hurting your team. I get that. But let's talk about like someone other than one last thing. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I was going to say the pick and roll. They were killing us tonight and pool killed us last, last night too. So it's like, it's becoming a, a constant thing as well. Okay, yeah, go. I mean, I want to talk a little bit about Ken Birch. Um, yeah, Birchy baby. He was good on Joel Embiid. And part of the thinking, I think, with not playing Coloco at all and playing Perch was just that Birch has a ton of experience on Embiid. The playoff series, he started that series. He knows the schemes they want to run against Embiid. And and he is kind of tougher without fouling. I thought they were really good and physical about Embiid early, not letting him get like deep post-ups. Um, but I've been hammering this nail into the basketball for a few weeks now. Like, why is Birch not just starting over Coloco and getting those minutes? I'm it hasn't right been me. I think this game really proved that. Like, Birch wasn't freaking Superman out there, right? He had two points, but you can't look at this performance and tell me that Coloco has been as good 
just in general, like on both been... ends. Again, like Birch didn't do much offensively at all, but it wasn't like the offense was funneling him easy baskets that he just couldn't make, which happens a lot with Coloco. Um, his screen setting is good, always offensively, but but defensively, I thought maybe this is just a good matchup for him. But no, I think it goes beyond that. I think he's just a way more advanced player at this stage in his career, and and he helps guys a lot on that end. If we had a machine where we could take Coloco's body and smush it in with Ken Birch's like positional defense, like, it would be a yeah, it'd be a pretty ideal setup. I, I like you know we see Birch's shortcomings for sure um, on both ends, but he at least is going to be sound on the defensive end. He's also much stronger, which really helps in certain matchups. It makes no sense to me that Coloco's starting. He's really struggled for some time now, but it makes no sense that he's starting against Sacramento and against Golden State where the centers are small. Like, yeah. we should not be starting a center at all in those positions. Well, small, right? Like well, Golden not- State, I think, is different than Sacramento because Looney's a pretty big guy, but... He's not big, big, though. Like... Birch would matches up quite well, oh, yeah. I think, with Looney, right? Like he's only six yeah. nine two, um, and uh, yeah. So I think I've been wanting to see Birch for a while, or even just like put Barnes back at the five spot. I mean, the beginning of this game, they had Barnes. Um, I liked Wancho in the starting lineup, and they had Barnes on Embiid, I believe. Um, and I, I, we also saw, you know, like OG was on Harden for a while, and then Barnes was on Harden, and. OG was on Embiid, and like that solves our pick and roll problems too. Is that those two can switch on onto like kind of seamlessly, right? So, um, all that to say, I think Bar- Birch did play well, and that I think it's time like Coloco had his run, and maybe we'll throw him out there in in certain matchups. But I think he's kind of done for a while. Yeah, just to this comment, David Griffith asks, "Who would you rather have, Looney or Birch?" Um, no disrespect to Birch, but I literally watched the game with my brother last night and I said to him, we were watching the Warriors Raptors game. I was like, I think if the Raptors had uh Looney at center, they would have 20 wins. Like I'm partly joking, Which is crazy. But, but like the, the margins I think are that small in the NBA and, and Looney is a good starting center. Um, and so to answer that question, I think Looney is significantly better than Birch or any center the Raptors have on this team. And he, that's why I, I've been kind of like hammering away at that, like go get a real center and, and see how the team looks at least that way. It's funny because I was watching the game this morning and in my head, I, I'm like, why can't Birch be Looney? Like what? Cause you, the, Looney's not athletic, like in the, the traditional sense of the word. He's about the same height. He's about the same, like his arms are maybe longer, but like, like I don't know. I it's think just... Looney is bigger physically, like height and strength. Yeah, I, I'd difference. be curious, but either way. yeah. And his touch, that's probably the biggest thing. Looney has really good touch. He's really gotten good at that, yeah. Um, not looking up Looney's height. 2.6 <laughs> meters. But anyways, this is kind of why... I wrote that piece about the Raptors kind of having these two Looney's timelines. Six, they're trying six, to eight. straddle. Sorry. No way Looney's 6'8". Yeah. I was I was just a Warriors practice very close to Looney. He's not 6'8". He's it's, at least 6'10". Well, then he's grown because it says here he's 2.06 meters, which is 6.75". Yeah, they lie, dude. Okay. Well, I, okay. That's all I'm telling you. <laughs> all right. Um, 
Not all of us get to go to practices with NBA players all the time. Sorry. It was a surreal moment. I was sitting. I went to Warriors practice uh, to talk to someone, one of their players, and I was sitting at like, they practice in a small gym on the third floor. So while I was waiting for it to finish, I was just sitting looking at an empty Scotiabank arena. It was really quiet. And then I don't know if you saw my video of Clay Thompson. He starts like walking onto the court. I just see like a figure down there and like pretending to shoot threes, like going through the motions. No way. Yeah. So I took a video of it and because uh, it was his first time playing in Toronto since the injury. So it was like 500 mm. days. So then I'm talking on the phone with my friend. Clay leaves the court. And then I hear these voices behind me and I turn around. I'm sitting alone. Right. And I turn around and Clay and Steph are just right there looking down on it. And they're like, just talking like whatever. They're just like, wow, the Leafs haven't won since 67. They're like looking at all the banners. And I'm just like, I said, it's the calm before the storm. And then Clay was like, what? And then I was like, it's the calm before the storm because it was like really quiet. And then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we started talking. Wait, are you talking about the one... Leafs or are you talking about the game? The game the next day. Oh. It was a surreal moment. But then anyways, one of the Warriors staffers were like, man, the Raptors had a horseshoe up their ass when they uh, won the title. Two injuries. And then I had to be like, well, they went through a real gauntlet in the East. <laughs> Let me tell you. So that was that Good was a wild you. moment. That is pretty I mean, surreal. Yeah, it was just like, what? Oh, they're right behind me. That was cool. That's pretty cool. That's cool. The the yeah. moments where you realize you're just a fanboy. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about anything else? I mean, or there's these we... questions you starred. Oh right? yeah. Well, do we want to do like some ads or something? I'll do a then... quick ad read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For our, our subscribers. If I've you got some seen... good news for one of the ads. Okay, well, we're going to do um, Manscaped first. Is it that That's one? That's the one I was going to talk about. Well, I'll just quickly say, uh, go to manscaped.com and with the code WRAPUP, R-A-P-U-P, you can get 20% off all Manscaped products. Uh, it's basically men's uh, grooming products. There's a really good lawnmower 3.0 you can get for like $90 minus 20% free shipping. It's a great holiday present for you or a loved one. And Aiden has something to say about it. I... You know, you know, when you work from home for many hours, maybe a couple of days and you don't shower and then you go have a shower and you just for the hell of it, you throw some deodorant on because you're like, I'm just going to feel good today. Well, now, not only did I do that, but then I took the bald deodorant lotion and threw that all on my scrotum. And now I feel like I went and watched the game, had a beer and I felt fresher than ever. So would I buy this on my own accord? Probably not. But it actually really was a refreshing don't thing. Don't say I, that. You don't well, say I mean, that part. But there are some people who think like they actually would need this. And I think they would. It's kind of, you know, if you go to the gym a lot and you go to the office and you, you have that sweat where you shower, but the sweat never actually stops. I think yeah. this ball deodorant would go a long way for that, especially so for it, dates. If you if the date goes okay. well that night. Is it an antiperspirant? Like, I hope not, because I think that's cancer causing. But but okay. and it's not the 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 smell it doesn't smell like axe it's not like that cheap shit yeah, it's like yeah. it's nice it's soft um yeah and then i for the hell of it i put the spray on too and and that was i think the two kind of counteracted each other but <laughs> yeah, yeah so they have cool all stuff. types of all types of good products over there at manscaped.com yeah. 
promo card R-A-P-U-P. All right. Let's get to a couple of questions and then maybe if if anyone else wants to drop questions in the chat, yeah. we'll get to a couple more as we go here. Yeah. Yeah, we'll finish with some cues. Okay. David Griffith asked Levine for Fred and maybe a third team for draft capital from Hold on, is this the Pelicans GM asking us our opinions on oh no, it's Griffin. Oh nice, nice. Um and then draft capital from Raps, another team from Raps to Bulls thoughts. Okay, so basically Fred and picks to the Bulls for Zach Levine. Um, I just think Zach Levine is pretty injury prone. I'm kind of scared of that. Do you want to hear my favorite new trade candidate? Hold on. Can I just say something quickly about Levine? I don't know if you can see it, David, but you can't see it. But closer. At five... You got to go closer. I, it doesn't put it, matter. Put it oh. at eight fifty-eight p.m. I said we were talking. I was talking to my friends about trades, and I just put Levine question mark uh, because the thing is, is we just need a guy who you can give the ball and create, and I and he he does fit the profile, and it's hard to find a team willing to give uh you know a, give us a player who's at the prime peak of his powers. Levine kind of fits the bill, but I do worry about his knees and his health too, like you said. Yeah, and the good thing about Levine is that he is like a, a an amazing spot up shooter and a movement shooter, and that's that would be really helpful. I think you would ideally build the deal around Trent and kind of have these two movement shooters in Fred and uh, Levine would be more ideal for me at least. But they but they prize Levine too much, and after the disastrous. Vucevic trade they're not gonna they're gonna demand a lot I think yeah uh I wanted to say quickly top shot Tesla yes you can hire us for your sales team we are absolutely for sale we're not I've got anecdotes any... about my balls all day we're not above any uh sales my we new can actually favorite... do them here if you want if you have ads <laughs> yeah exactly we'll promote it on the show my my new favorite um trade target who's pretty unrealistic but maybe not because i also thought the utah jazz were going to keep donovan mitchell and they decided to trade him so maybe they really want to go through a full rebuild and tank if um oh god i'm gonna forget his name uh if the seven footer from eastern Kessler. europe no no oh fontanecchio no the oh marketing if marketing is available thank you he doesn't solve either of the Raptors' like <laughs> holes in their rotation. He's not a center. He's another wing. However, he's a seven-footer who shoots threes at a really high level. And I kind of think I, I would really like to see him just kind of him in a reduced role. And he provides some of that like weak side rim protection. He's a seven-footer. I think on this team would be really good. Um, but... Yeah, you don't you don't like that? I don't. I love him. I have him on my dynasty team. I he doesn't make sense just because Pascal and Scotty are already there. It's just getting too clogged. But yeah, he would have Freddie, to reduce his role back to like smaller Chicago levels where he's mostly shooting threes and yeah. not as much post stuff. But I don't like. He's it. still young. Like you could sell him on it. I think. What about Freddie for Conley and Clarkson? Okay. I mean, Clarkson, I think, would be great on this team. 
Conley's not doing much for me. He's just old and it's a lot of money whatever. too. Um, but yeah, no. Again, if if I wanted Clarkson, I would trade Trent. I wouldn't trade because those guys' highs are different. Like Fred is still ultimately an All Star at his peak. Clarkson's never had that kind of high. And in the playoffs, Clarkson, the jury is kind of still out on him. So I think that would be a big upgrade for Trent. I don't know if that would be a big upgrade for Freddie. I'm still not ready to trade Freddie, honestly. Um, yeah, I know. I mine might be getting out of out of hand a little bit. But yeah. but you have to start the ideation process, you know. Yeah. Does anyone uh, else have trades that aren't? Um, tr- sorry questions that aren't trade related i'm only seeing trade trade ones yeah i'm not gonna ask answer the one about siakam should we buy time on with the canm or have we sure all right canm tax you see it at the top of the screen again quick quickly drop some questions if you want them answered but um canamtax.com tax season coming up here i think in march and so get ahead of it call the number at the top of the screen or go to canamtax.com where they're gonna just really help you they're gonna they're gonna you pay them a little bit of money you get a lot back that's how it works at canamtax don't try to do it for free on one of those websites go to canamtax.com for all your tax needs who is the tax man player of the night i think i know who it would be for me but who would it for Remember, we made this rule that you can't pick Siakam, so sorry. Oh, we made that rule? I think so, yeah. Okay. More or less. Um, I, well, I'm going to go with uh, OG. I think he played a, a spectacular defensive game tonight. And you could just see the change. I mean, you saw the change in the score, but you can just you can see the change. In, like we talked about on the offensive end, he's aggressive. And then on the defensive end, he's just like he fills the gaps that we so desperately need on the wing. And it kind of proves Oren and I right when we talked about earlier this in the preseason about trading for Durant or Devin Donovan Mitchell, that like losing OG would really like open up this defense to some major vulnerabilities. And I think not having him the last couple of games and then having him back just showed that in spades. And I'm really hoping yeah. he wins Defensive Player of the Year because I have him at great odds. No, no. Yeah, he was a minus 25 tonight, which goes to show that um, plus minus usually isn't all that uh, telling. I agree, though. Like People were asking on Twitter, is OG just this important to the Raptors' offense? And I, I think, like, kind of is my answer. Like, of course, in that losing stretch with him out, they had some games where they just didn't like the the Warriors game, the first Orlando game where they just weren't really trying or playing hard enough or executing any schemes to where it wouldn't have mattered if OG was in the game or not. But the other games, like as long as the Raptors are kind of executing and, and focused and going hard, I think he does make up that big of a difference. Like the margins are small enough that they are a good defensive team with him. They haven't been great, but good and a bad one without him because yeah, he's the, he's the top three defensive player of the year candidate. Like he's just been amazing on that. And and honestly, I could have told you that before he went out with the injury, just the way that he was affecting games defensively was consistency. Like every single game, he was just the best defensive player out there. So 
yeah. OG Canam Tax Man of the Night. Also, shout out to Ken Birch. Go to canamtax.com. All right. Do you think, which one do you want to answer? Do you think Precious Achua's return will be significant? It's just kind of like running out of time for me. Like, he could, but he's not going to be 100% when he returns. We just know that. It's going to take him some time to find the rhythm. And, like, do they have that kind of time? I don't know. I think hopefully it slows Precious's aggression a little bit and he kind of sticks to what he's good at. And, you know, he comes on with Boucher and he plays hard defense and he he rebounds a lot and he'll shoot the open threes, but he won't just be, you know, crazy, inefficient, aggressive Precious that he was earlier this year. But he's definitely going to help. He gives us so much defensive versatility at the front. Um and uh and just one more piece to kind of play around with so yeah what it's gonna be um as they're saying yeah he he could really help like i think him as a starter is what a lot of us envisioned going into the season and i think he'd be a lot better than birch or coloco if he just played like he ended last season but we're a couple weeks before him returning and then even then it's going to take some time for him to ramp up um Dawson Ned says, as long as we're saying who I want, I want Isaiah Sarton to sign an Emmanuel quickly. That was actually the like fake um, temporary small trade that the Raptors could make to plug two holes without giving away a lot trade. For Gary? Is that... Or like a first round pick. Um, I, I think Hartenstein's a starting caliber center and quickly would be a nice guard who can really put pressure on the rim off the bench, but they're not solving all your problems either. And, so. and the Knicks aren't trading to like the exact team. That's their competitor right now. I don't think either like, and they're on a big winning streak. So now it's yeah, been playing good. Sense, huh? I think we, yeah, I think that's, yeah, they're coming up on the schedule and they've been playing good. Yeah. Um, any other questions here that you want to get to? No. Like, uh, well, we can roll. I think like this, like Azim's asking, what do you think the rap should do with the schedule getting more difficult? Um, you try, you try, or uh, you withstand the test and you just keep pushing on. I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, it, it, like, it feels like if they just get a win, they can turn things around to an extent, but they have been in a lot of close games. I actually wrote this down because they said at the end of the broadcast, one in six now in games decided by three or less are the Raptors this season. That was similar in the Tampa season. Like they're in a lot of close games. Um, they just can't pull out wins. And I feel like if they get one, it could turn the tide a little bit, but it's, it's, it's not going to be easy to get one. Uh, we're one like tonight was a big one. Yeah, we really needed that, and that can really take the win out of the sales. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff to like really build off of, and one thing that's really nice for you to talk about is it's nice to see Pascal pissed off. Like yeah, PJ ch- chirping was awesome, and then I don't know if you saw, but like two plays <laughs> later, Cam goes to pick a uh, screen and roll with Pascal to get him beat on the on the Pascal, and Pascal shoes him away, and nothing really happens with it but like he clearly wanted to go at pj and i think that really motivated him for the latter part of the game 
we just need that. We need these guys to go out with the desperation and the anger of like not being good. And I think like to me, there's a lot of there's been a lot of indifference. There's a, a lot of like going through the motions, thinking things are going to get right, and it's just not enough. They need to be, they need to work harder and more uh, and want it more. And I think if they can, if they can wrap wrap together a three game win streak, let's say they're five games out yeah. of fifth, right? Like they're not far. They're not. It only far. takes one bad injury somewhere else or one bad losing streak. You know, we saw Boston and Dallas last year have these struggles for quite a long period of time and flip it around. So like away with the naysaying this early in the season, it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's definitely not too late or anything. I just want to say on Pascal, like, there was there was talk, I think, on Twitter, or I might have read it in a story where someone was saying, like, what we've learned this season is that Pascal can't carry the lineups the same way Lowry did, where you could put any four bench players out there with him and he would somehow bring it to positive results. And it's like, I'm not ready to go that far yet because the rotation's just been such a mess and there hasn't been any consistency Uh and and same with his season, like he just returned from an injury and is still clearly rounding into form. This was his best game since he got back. So I, I think it's it's kind of too early to say that about him just because he's still kind of getting better. And he's still. Yeah, he's he's just it's been too up and down of a season to have any takeaways like that for me. But anyways, are you ready to get out of here? Yes, I got to have dinner. Thanks for listening. Uh, like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube video. And we'll be back after the Raptors next game on Wednesday against the New York Knicks. Bye.